From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Tuesday edition, Russian President Vladimir Putin says negotiations with Ukraine have reached an impasse. That as Russian troops pour into eastern Ukraine. You heard the chairman talk about this at testimony last week, that it was his assessment, and we believe he's right, uh, that this, this, could, this could auger in for a, a more protracted uh, and a very bloody uh, next, next, uh, next phase here uh, of this conflict. That was Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby. What's next in the U.S.'s effort to aid Ukraine? We'll talk with Florida Congressman Mike Waltz, a member of the House Armed Services Committee. We'll also talk with him about that, the battle that is raging here at home for the minds of our children. Congressman Waltz has stepped into the epic fight for the hearts and minds of children. He joins me to explain. Also, remember this from last year? We also know that as our economy has come roaring back, we've seen some price increases. Some folks have raised worries that this could be a sign of persistent inflation. But that's not our view. Our experts believe, and the data shows, that most of the price increases we've seen are, were expected and are expected to be temporary. That was President Biden in July of last year telling Americans the price increases that they were experiencing were temporary. Reality is that in the month of March, prices rose even higher than the elevated predictions of the economist. The consumer price index hitting a 40-year high at 8.5 percent which means consumers are paying 8.5% more for necessities like gasoline, health care, groceries, and housing than they did a year ago. Whose policies are to blame, Vladimir Putin or Joe Biden? And what does this mean to the average American family? We're going to talk about that with Texas Congressman Kevin Brady, ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee. Yesterday, Dr. Jennifer Bowens was here discussing the false claims by the Biden administration about how puberty-blocking drugs and irreversible sex change surgeries were, quote, best practices and life-saving. Well, today, I want to look at what state legislatures are doing, which tells a clear story between the two political parties. Joseph Backholm, senior fellow for Biblical Worldview here at the Family Research Council, joins me for that conversation. Also, speaking of transgender policies, Becky Gerritsen of Alabama's Eagle Forum joins me with an update on a lawsuit that has been filed by the Southern Impoverished Law Center against Alabama's Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act. And a new poll released by the Trafalgar Group reveals that nearly 70% of American voters say they are now less likely to do business with Disney after revelations like this. You can't see if someone is trans. There's not one way to look trans. And so kind of the only way to have these like canonical trans characters, canonical asexual characters, canonical bisexual characters is to give them stories where they can like be their whole selves. That was Disney production coordinator Alan March on an internal company Zoom meeting last month talking about how Disney is going to increase their sexual content, and their effort to groom children. Those are my words. Well, talk, we're going to talk about that with Mary Margaret Olihan with The Daily Wire later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything, it's archived right there at TonyPerkins.com. 
Our verse for today, coming from our Stand on the World Word Bible reading plan, is found in Deuteronomy chapter 26. It's verse 17 through 19. Today you have proclaimed the Lord to be your God, and that you will walk in his ways and keep his statutes, his commandments and his judgments, and that you will obey his voice. Also, today the Lord has proclaimed you to be his special people, just as he promised you that you should keep all his commandments and that he will set you high above all nations which he has made in praise, in name, and in honor, and that you may be a holy people to the Lord your God, just as he has spoken. And not all nations are the same. Those who proclaim allegiance to the Lord and walk in his ways, he says he will make them exceptional. Well, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the psalmist wrote in Psalm 33. I invite you to join us in our two-year Bible reading plan. Go to frc.org slash Bible. I also invite you to join me each morning at 844 a.m. Eastern Time for a daily devotional based on the daily reading. You can find it either at TonyPerkins.com or on my Facebook page. As I mentioned earlier today, Russian President Vladimir Putin reportedly said talks with Ukraine returned to an impasse and that Moscow's military operation in Ukraine would undoubtedly achieve what he said were its, quote, noble objectives. He claimed we are helping and saving people. Meanwhile, Ukrainian President Zelensky, in an address to his nation, said his forces still are not getting all that they need from supporting allies to end the war sooner as Kiev braces for an eastward campaign from Russia. Joining me now to talk about this and more is U.S. Congressman Mike Waltz, a member of the House Armed Services Committee and a decorated special forces officer. He serves as the representative for the 6th Congressional District of the Sunshine State. Congressman Waltz, welcome back to the program. Good to be with you, Tony. All right, what is your latest assessment on the situation in Ukraine based on what we're hearing today? Well, we're seeing a bit of an, uh, you know, what we call in the military an operational pause uh, as the Russians lick their wounds, they refit their forces, reorganize them, uh, put them under a new commander uh, who was pretty well known as the butcher of Syria uh, uh, and focus strategically focused on eastern Ukraine, which, by the way, is the most energy rich, is the most industrialized uh, and the portion that Putin has always wanted. On top of that, uh, he wants to take as much of the Black Sea coastal area. We're seeing that with Mariupol. Uh, we may or may not see a drive on Odessa. I think this is a, a golden opportunity. Uh, uh, Tony, we should be giving Zelensky the more advanced weaponry, the more offensive weaponry that he has long been asking for since last year, since before the invasion, he could be hitting those Russian formations right now while they're most vulnerable, while they're trying to reorganize. Uh, if we would only give them everything they're asking for, that's long range artillery. That's more of the Turkish drones they've used uh, so effectively. Uh, it's additional radars and it's the intelligence and targeting packages that only the United States can provide to hand those to the Ukrainians so that they can target Russian forces. We've got to help Zelensky win Yet Jake Sullivan, the president's national security advisor, just said on the Sunday talk shows that we're trying to help him get to the negotiating table. We shouldn't be playing for a tie in Ukraine, Tony. We should be helping the good guys win and giving them everything they need to do so. So what is the holdup on this uh, critical weaponry that they're asking for? 
Well, it's been the holdup all along. Uh, even when I was out there last year, uh, what the Ukrainians were hearing from the White House was that stingers were too provocative. They were too escalatory. Anti-ship missiles to help defend their ports were too provocative. Uh, and so this kind of fear of Putin and the fear of what he might do is still driving our policy. Uh, and when, when, you, when you take that approach for a dictator, they're going to push until they make, meet steel. And I think that is giving him room to escalate. Uh, my fear is that you're going to see chemical weapons next uh, as Putin drives up that escalation ladder. And then separately, Tony, look, let's get serious about the sanctions. Uh, the, the Biden administration's patting themselves on the back for tough sanctions. Yet even the newest ones uh, Biden just announced have loopholes for Putin's energy sector. They are still bringing in billions of dollars a week from European countries who are all you know, proclaiming their support for Ukraine they need to take the tough measures and cut off uh, uh, his revenue. And by the way, China is still doing business. Countries like South, America, uh, South Africa and Brazil, not to mention India. We need to get serious and have some tough conversations with them, too, including putting on the table secondary sanctions on their banks and companies that are doing business with Russia. Uh, earlier today, after his meeting with the president of Belarus, uh, Vladimir Putin said, quote, the sanctions blitzkrieg against Russia have failed. Now, granted, I know he's putting a spin on it, but is there some truth that uh, these sanctions have not been as successful as this administration would have us to believe? Well, the ruble has recovered. Uh, the Russian currency is recovering. Their stock market is recovering. Uh, Chinese banks are stepping in to do uh, the business that European banks were, were doing in terms of brokering uh, Russian oil and gas. Uh, and look, I think Chinese uh, private equity uh, and state-owned enterprises seeing a buying opportunity. They are stepping in and taking equity in Russian mines, in Russian mineral, uh, rare earth mineral, and other types of processing facilities, and of course, their oil and gas sector. So uh, uh, China is filling the void that some European and American companies have stepped out of. But as long as there's loopholes for oil, the oil and gas sector, Rush, uh, Putin will continue to be able to fuel his war machine. Final question on this topic, uh, Congressman Waltz. If America were to step forward in a strong way, as you're suggesting, to give the material material that uh, they are requesting in Ukraine, could this possibly take Russia out of the equation if they're defeated by Ukraine as a formidable foe going forward to the United States? I think this could largely neuter uh, Russia's conventional national security apparatus. Remember, they still have a capable nuclear uh, 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 security force, but it could definitely set them back for many years. My problem, Tony, is if, if we help Zelensky play for a tie, Putin gobbles up additional portions of eastern Ukraine and it settles back into trench warfare like it did in 2014. He'll lick his wounds for the next five or six years and then he'll be at it again. Right. Just a uh, matter of time. I got to help him play for a win. Right. Yeah. We're, we're, this administration is playing not to lose rather than that's playing right. uh, to win. I, I want to turn our attention now to uh, to really the battle that's waging here at home over the hearts and minds of children. You've stepped into that battle with a new book, a, a book designed for children ages 6 through 10. It's the uh, Dawn of the Brave. Tell us about it. 
Well, Tony, I'm really excited about it. This is one of a series of books. It's a subscription, actually, by Brave Books. You cannot find them on Amazon. We're deliberately not putting it on Amazon. You can only find them on bravebooks.com. Each book that will arrive to your children every month will have a traditional conservative theme, family, faith, the Constitution. Uh, In the case of my book, it's about serving your country uh, and coming together as a team to serve a cause higher than yourself, which has been you know, my life as a Green Beret and, and now in Congress uh, about service. But at the end of the day, with what we've seen uh, with COVID that exposed the garbage that's being taught in our schools, what we're seeing in our universities, what we've seen in Virginia uh, in the election of Youngkin, and now we're seeing with Disney, uh, this is a fight for the hearts and minds of, of our children. Uh, my, my point is we're pushing back. I think parents have had a real wake-up call, but what do we fill that void with? Uh, and, and brave books in this subscription are good, wholesome content. Uh, and, and for every subscription that someone may order off of bravebooks.com, $15 is going to Samaritan's Purse to support Ukrainian refugees. So I, I, it's just really a blessing and my honor uh, to, to engage this way. I'm a dad. I've got an 18-year-old and a three-month-old. Uh, and, and I want them learning the types of values that are in uh, these books not the activist agenda that we're seeing in our libraries, in our schools, community centers, and across this nation. I I think the best way to go after the darkness is shine light. And uh, that's exactly what you're doing here. Uh, Dawn of the Brave, to find out more, bravebooks.com. Mike Waltz, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Okay, thank you, Tony. Appreciate it. Folks, check it out. You can go to the website, TonyPerkins.com, and follow the links over or go to BraveBooks.com. All right, coming up next, inflation, 8.5%. Who's responsible? We'll talk about it next with Kevin Brady. Don't go away. At Family Research Council, we believe that every person has inherent dignity and worth. That is why we fight for every human life to be affirmed and valued and stand against abortion, pornography, and human trafficking. These atrocities allow individuals to be treated without dignity and worth as objects to be bought, sold, and discarded by others. Humans are made in the image of God, and therefore no one, regardless of their sex, size, or age, should be treated like a commodity. To combat the attacks we're seeing in our culture on the dignity of humans, FRC Center for Human Dignity serves to educate and advocate for the sake of the voiceless. At the center, you will find helpful resources addressing abortion, bioethics, assisted suicide and euthanasia, drug legalization, human trafficking, pornography, and other current issues regarding human dignity. To learn more, visit frc.org slash life. That's frc.org slash life. Here's a moment of hope for your home with Jerry and Becky Drace. Question for you, parents. How do you know when to let your child go? Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child and understood as a child and thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Those are some tough words, but they're good. Preparing your child for adult life is certainly a challenge. One way to prepare them is to instill in them a love for the Word of God. You cannot be with your child all the time, nor should you. But God never loses sight of them. If you teach them and show them how to seek God, they will be able to become all that God wants them to be. No longer childish, but an adult prepared for life. 
Learn more about the ministry of Jerry and Becky Drace, including evangelism with integrity, devotions, articles, and more at hopeforthehome.org. This has been a moment of hope for your home. The communist government has spoken. There's no room for Christianity within the walls of China. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and the man named Katsu is an evangelical pastor, a little more than 50. He serves outside of Beijing. I won't identify his village. But I would guess he has been beaten in jail 25 times over the course of his ministry. Most recently, they beat him so severely he could not get up for a week. They let him go and told him to never speak of Jesus again. About a week later, a knock came on his door. He was somewhat reluctant to open it, but he found Hyo the bitter atheist interrogator who beat him terribly had one question that burned in his heart all week long why were you at such peace when we were beating you so Katsu would open his door open his Mandarin Bible and lead this bitter atheist to faith in Christ together they've witnessed thousands coming to Christ who all need Bibles in China at $5 a Bible would you call 800-YES-WORD 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 or give at sendbiblesnow.org that's sendbiblesnow.org Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Earlier today, the Labor Department said the consumer price index rose 8.5% in March from a year ago, the fastest pace since December of 1981 when inflation hit 8.9%. And that means inflation now has notched a new 40-year high for five straight months. It also marks the 10th straight month in which inflation exceeded 5%. Now, earlier today, President Biden once again blamed Vladimir Putin. Everything's going up. We saw today's inflation down. 70% of the increase in prices in March came from Putin's price hike in gasoline. Well, here to discuss this price hike is Congressman Kevin Brady, ranking member on the House Ways and Means Committee. He represents the 8th Congressional District of the Lone Star State. Congressman Brady, welcome back to the program. Tony, good to see you. Thanks for having me. So uh, Putin is kind of like global warming. Uh, He gets blamed (laughs) for everything now. Yeah, I thought the president might uh, try try to take it out on the Easter Bunny this week, but I guess Putin was the choice. So look... Uh, today's uh, report was expected to be bad. It was worse than that. So inflation is rising three times faster than your paycheck. So every family is taking, in effect, every month another pay cut. Put in perspective, the average family in America now, uh, since Joe Biden became president, is paying an extra $5,700 more to buy the exact same things than they were before. That's a huge hit for families. And I think it explains why new survey this week shows Americans are so pessimistic. They feel as bad about their finances now as they did during the height of the COVID pandemic, which is uh, which is pretty stunning. And as we know, this inflation began a full year ago. It's been a raging since that. And, and don't take my word for it. The Federal Reserve really points to President Biden's $2 trillion uh, COVID stimulus as one of the first big drivers of inflation. The other bad news today, we got a sort of a double whammy. The report from the National Federation of Independent Businesses, our our small businesses in America, who are really the canary in the coal mine. They tell us so much about the economy. So small business optimism is at the lowest ever recorded. And it's for the same reason families feel that way. 
inflation is so high for small businesses, they're having to pass it on to their consumers or eat it, and they can't find workers either. So, you know, from an economic standpoint, I know the president was sort of trying to take a victory lap, but it was a, it was a pretty bad day all around. And then we see the Federal Reserve responding to this, saying uh, they're going to continue uh, the, uh, the the interest rate hikes that they're proposing. What is the the balance that the the Federal Reserve has to uh, to keep here when it comes to raising interest rates? Well, economically, they they are in a bad position because they were like the White House in denial for so long about inflation. They didn't take the steps last year they needed to take. So right now, as you know. The only way to defeat inflation is for borrowing costs to be higher than inflation. So think about 8.5% inflation right now and accelerating. It's growing each month. So if for borrowing costs to be higher than that, that is a very harsh punishment on the economy. So, you know, my, my guess is the, the Fed will fall, fall short of getting inflation under, uh, under control. I worry that means we could see this for years in years to come. And I think that's the, the big balancing act for the Fed. So the, the Biden administration not seeing the connection or correlation between the trillion dollar infusion of government money into the economy. And they're still talking about in his budget proposal, his, uh, you know, build government bigger plan, which is another infusion of money. It is. And I, it is the, the most puzzling thing that after all this bad news, driven by the president's policies, he's pursuing more of that, both on the spending side, uh, the socialist program side, the tax hike side, which would land on our Main Street businesses as well and contribute to higher inflation. He's just, I, I, I've concluded, he just doesn't understand the American economy, the modern American economy. He's stuck in some other uh, time. It uh, doesn't quite realize the impact of this. And again, at the end of the day, Job growth is slowing. Inflation is accelerating. And I don't understand why the president, who was in denial about inflation, then denied the worker shortage, both of which were alarmingly true. I, he should admit that we're in the middle of a wage price, price spiral that's very devastating, getting worse each month. And until he admits the problems the economy is facing, I don't think we'll see any progress. So it's clear that government policy affects the economy. They can't uh, cre they can't necessarily create yeah. jobs and grow the economy, but they can surely kill the economy. I mean, we saw that there is growth with the economy when you have less government, less regulation, lower taxes. We saw that uh, under the previous administration, the Trump administration, when we cut taxes, we saw job growth. This tells me for the for the average family, there's two things. One, uh, it matters who you put in office and the policies yes. that they bring to office. But what what's the average family to do now that we're in the middle of this uh, economic situation that is hammering them each and every month? Yeah, and, and it is just as to your point, when we gave Americans more economic freedom and they kept more of what they earned, we saw not just growth, but we saw some of the the highest wage growth in history, especially among uh, people of color, those without a lot of job skills, those who are disabled. The reverse is true under this president. Those are the same people getting hammered the most by this inflation. And they're trying to substitute, uh, you know, less expensive food and clothing and all that. But fuel alone will add $2,000 this year to their uh, cost. That, that alone 
is crushing. And so, you know, for them, they are disheartened. That's why they're feeling so discouraged at this point. You know, they need to be talking to this president to tell them to stop doing what is causing this inflation so far. He just seems heck bent on going forward right. with the same policies. And, you know, the I, I do acknowledge that the situation in Ukraine has raised yeah. uh, energy prices, but we could have we could have buffered the impact of that by our domestic production had we pursued the right policies there. So, again, yeah. another policy choice that has real life consequences. Kevin Brady, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Good to see you, Tony. Thank you. All right, folks, coming up next, you know, most Americans support passing laws that seek to protect minors from harm. However, the question of exactly how we should go about protecting minors and what we should be protecting them from really is an ideological divide between the states. We're going to look at this next after the break with Joseph Backholm. Don't go away. More Washington Watch to come after the break. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan, double MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. You've heard me say that no parent should demand perfection from their teen, yet some parents still expect it from themselves. Hi, I'm Mark Gregston with Parenting Today's Teens. Kids are bound to act out, be embarrassing, or behave in a way their parents don't want them to. And many times, parents feel personally ashamed and discouraged by their child's actions. They see their teen's shortcomings as evidence of their own failures. Mom, Dad, only God perfect. Not your teen, not you. So quit trying to attain absolute perfection. Is there a chance that we'll mess up? Guaranteed. But when you admit to your teen that you're not perfect, it might make them feel a little more comfortable in their own imperfect skin. Let them know they're surrounded by a family that truly understands and shares their flawed condition. Want more help from Mark Gregston? Find books and other resources online at parentingtodaysteens.org. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. According to a report by CNBC, outlets owned by Disney, Comcast, Warner Media, and Paramount are planning to air a new PSA from the LGBT lobbying group GLAAD that features the mother of a transgender teen who accuses lawmakers in Florida of trying to tear my family apart. No doubt with all the attention that states like Florida and Texas have been receiving 
The public service announcement is a response to laws that are in reality trying to protect children from the left's indoctrination. But what is really threatening families are not laws like it's not laws like these, but efforts to push transgenderism on children from an early age as possible. We see the left pushing for earlier and earlier childhood education. What's that about? Well, the left is trying to keep children from getting the help they really need in some cases, going as far as banning counseling. Here with me to talk about this is Joseph Backholm, Senior Fellow for Biblical Worldview here at the Family Research Council and my Friday host, Joseph. Glad to have you with me. Good to see you today, Tony. Let's uh, let's talk about this because there's a really an ideological divide between the states where you have some states, red states in particular, that have been pushing what I call kind of bottom shelf issues, which is the women's sports, protecting women's sports, uh, all the way up to the uh, what we call the safe acts, yeah. which are uh, prohibiting uh, surgical um, measures on, te- on, on minors. Uh, but then you have blue states that are refusing to allow parents even to get counseling for their kids. Yeah. You know, I think this is a, a, analogous to what we just went through with COVID and masks. Depending on where you lived in America, you lived in a very different world based on the belief that masks were either helpful because they protected you from a deadly virus or harmful because they interfered with your your learning abilities and, and social interactions and they were mentally harmful. And so in the same way, this there really is a divide about whether what is good for kids, what is good for people. Is it good that they allow their anatomy and biology and the way God created us to inform our identity? Or is it good that our feelings determine what our identity? And so those differences, I really do think, are creating two different worlds. And we're starting to see the legislation that creates that. The, the legislation is symptomatic of two different worlds. Right. What, what's underneath that? Yeah, well, underneath that is the assumption in, you know, and we'll generically refer to them as red states that still have this idea that our anatomy matters, our biology matters, that we don't determine reality for ourselves. Therefore, it is good for you if you acknowledge that in the choices that we make in the sports, how, how we how we um, construct our sports leagues, and then also in, in terms of counseling, that it's not bad if a counselor helps you come and de- come to peace with your anatomy. And then there so, are other people who say that's harmful. A, a, an understanding of the fact that there is a creator who creates right. us is really at the foundational level of this debate. So we, yes. we're almost looking at two Americas. We are, because we're looking at two different worldviews. It's really an epistemology. Where does truth come from? Does truth come from our creator, or does truth come from our feelings? And those are... So the red states would have this understanding of there is a transcendent truth that is outside of ourselves, where we see the blue states more of where morality and is more personal preference. Correct. And I'm not even sure in all the red states they would see it that way. No, they it's wouldn't see it that like way, but, just gut level but it's like almost residual in many ways. It totally is. Yeah, yeah that, 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 I think that is exactly what this divide is, is you have two different set of assumptions about the world, about our existence and about reality. So how, how do we fortify and how do we grow that understanding that, uh, you know, yeah. look, you, you've, got, you've got to come to this recognition that children need to be protected from this 
I would just have to say yeah. godless indoctrination coming from the left. Right. And that is the church's job. And it is, I think you're right that in some ways it becomes a distraction when we talk about women's sports from the more fundamental issue, which is what's the nature of our existence? Do we define truth right. for ourselves or is it defined for us? The sports debate is a is a symptom. Right. It, it's not this issue ultimately is not about fairness. Right. It is about what is true. It implicates fairness. Right. But when you create it, when you construct a reality in which our feelings determine reality for everyone else and my feelings determine reality for me and for you, and you're supposed to make decisions that are consistent with my feelings, that world can't stand up. And, and women's sports is just the beginning of the ways in which that falls apart. So how do we how do parents navigate this world? Yeah. Parents have to begin to lay this foundation. Uh, one of the first things that every parent needs to t tell their child is that your feelings do not determine truth yeah. and that your feelings are not the guide to happiness. That's a counterculture message. And, and it completely is because every Disney princess is going to tell you to follow your feelings. And every character, most characters you see on TikTok and YouTube are going to say, follow your heart. Do what makes you happy. And if kids swallow that they will they may end up mutilating themselves in the pursuit of happiness but other things as well will follow even if they don't do that and that's what secularism breeds is this idea that my feelings are the guide to truth so parents have to get in front of that and remind people remind their children that our feelings are not the guide to happiness and we need lawmakers who will stand firm for these truths even in the face of the unrelenting left and I'm uh, grateful for leaders in Florida and Texas and others who have done just that. That's exactly right. Joseph, I have a feeling you'll probably talk about this on Friday. Well, there's a good chance. All right. Good to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, folks, stick with us. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about the not-so-wonderful world of Disney uh, as they are seeking to... Um, really indoctrinate and even groom our children. But Americans say enough. Almost 70% of Americans say they'll change their buying habits when it comes to Disney. That's next. Don't go away. For centuries, the Bible has inspired humanity and shaped the very world we live in. But how do we know this book is the Word of God and not merely the words of men? What we believe about the Bible is based on what we believe about its source. The God Who Speaks explores the evidence of the Bible's inspiration and authority through some of the world's most respected biblical scholars. We have essentially a dual authorship. So it's true to say that Paul wrote Romans, it's equally true to say that God wrote Romans. He says, we saw this, and that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks is a feature-length documentary from the American Family Association. Available now at thegodwhospeaks.org. Disney caved. After stating Disney wouldn't take sides on the parental rights and education bill, CEO Bob Chapek caved to the LGBTQ's pressure. He has now affirmed Disney's support for gay rights, but that wasn't enough. In the upcoming Disney Pixar film Lightyear, a lesbian kissing scene that was initially cut has been put back in. This is a blatant attempt to indoctrinate our children, and we need to speak up now. 
Sign the pledge to Boycott Lightyear at afa.net. What we believe about the Bible is based on what we believe about its source. The God Who Speaks, the award-winning documentary from the American Family Association, is now available in a special limited edition DVD set. This release includes a Sunday school curriculum and two hours of additional footage. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to get your copy today. Thegodwhospeaks.org People say my talk about God's unconditional love encourages people to sin. Last time I checked, they didn't need to be encouraged. Fact is, you don't get to obedience by trying harder, knowing more about the Bible, or being more religious. Frankly, I've tried hard, but I'm so religious I can hardly stand myself. Never worked. Then God told me that my religiosity was more pride than obedience, and then, and then get this, he asked me to dance, <laughs> told me to stop looking at my feet and look at Jesus instead. It's not very pretty, but I'm dancing. I was tired of the religion thing anyway. I'm Steve Brown. You think about that. Hey, share what you just heard with a friend. Go to youthinkaboutthat.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to uh, to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Um, I've got a... Let me find it here. I misplaced it. I have a poll question for you today that I would like to uh, use. Let me uh, let me pull it up here. Here we go. This kind of goes along with a uh, new survey that was released this week that, quite frankly, doesn't bode well for the Disney company. After recently rele- recently uh, leaked footage from internal meetings, it shows how Disney. It shows how Disney is focusing on the creation of content to expose children to sexuality and queerness. Now, the Trafalgar Group asked if the latest revelations made people more or less likely to want to do business with Disney. Not surprisingly, a majority, almost 70 percent, 68.2 percent said they were less likely. Uh, And I want to get your sense on this. Uh, If you would like to take the poll and let us know what you're thinking, what is your response to Disney aggressively opposing parental rights and pledging to promote transgenderism in their programs and their amusement parks? Text the word poll, P-O-L-L, to 67742. That's the word poll to 67742. And uh, let us know if this is having an impact on how you view Disney. Uh, We're going to, do we have our next guest? Okay. Uh, And we're actually going to be joined here in just a moment uh, by Mary Margaret Olihan, who is a reporter at the Daily Wire, who's been writing about this and has heard from many parents on how they are responding to Disney. Mary Margaret, welcome to Washington Watch. Can you tell us what you've been hearing from parents across the nation? With how Disney has chosen to handle this um, episode of, uh, of Florida trying to take 
parents' rights into their own hands and trying to give parents the empowerment to take care of their own children's education and to decide what is best for their kids. Um, I spoke with a lot of different parents who told me that they're no longer going to be going to Disney. In fact, they're going to take their business elsewhere. And these parents are incredibly upset. They're not only taking their canceling their Disney trips and their vacations, they're also canceling their Disney Plus subscriptions, is which, what they told me. Some of these people told me they've been going to Disney there for their entire lives. And one man told me he worked there when he was in college to pay for college. He would take his fiance there. They had all kinds of subscriptions and fast passes and whatnot. And then they ultimately decided not to pay for anything anymore due to how Disney handled coronavirus restrictions and then how Disney handled Florida's parental rights and education bill. So does the uh, results from the Trafalgar Group's uh, poll showing that 68.2% of voters say that they are less likely to do business with Disney, does that surprise you at all? Not at all. (laughs) I mean, look, at the end of the day, this is about children, and there are many political issues that Americans will disagree over um, on both sides of the aisle, be it uh, you know, the border wall or um, abortion. But when it comes to your children, parents are a lot more unified, I think, in knowing that, no, you want to be able to control what your children are being taught. And the idea that Disney has some kind of agenda that they would like to teach your children something, whether or not you know, that doesn't sit well with American parents. Well, it doesn't seem that Disney is getting that message, but because according to a report from CNBC, Disney is planning to air a new PSA that has been produced by GLAAD, one of the the big uh, promoters of LGBT agenda that features the mother of a transgender teen who accuses lawmakers of trying to, quote, tear my family apart, end quote. I mean, is Disney tone deaf? What's happening? I mean, that that sounds pretty tone deaf to me. This is not a message that has already resonated with Americans, as we were just talking about. Americans aren't happy with this type of language. They're they're canceling their subscriptions and their trips, um, and they're becoming increasingly frustrated with this type of terminology. I mean, if you look at what happened in Virginia, we were in sort of the same situation during the gubernatorial election, where a lot of people thought that Terry McAuliffe would kind of skate into the dem- into the governor's seat as a Democrat, and then. Amidst all this talk about education, he had to go and say that parents didn't have the right to decide what their children should be taught. Well, that pretty much won the election for Governor Youngkin. And so we're seeing this translated across the country as parents kind of speak up. Finally, just this parental rebellion against woke ideology in this way. So I would be concerned if I were Disney and they continued on in this fashion because we have already seen it demonstrated that parents don't sit well. This doesn't sit well with parents. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Of course, Disney being just the latest example of woke corporate America. But when you have a company that's focused on entertaining children, it makes it all the more um, poignant when you're talking about uh, people's children. Mary Margaret, thanks so much for uh, joining us. Great to talk with you. Appreciate uh, the the coverage you're giving this issue. Oh, thank you. This was wonderful. And folks, again, I want to encourage you to take our poll and uh, let us know what what you think. I'd be interested to know what you think about Disney. Is this going to affect the way you interact with them? Are you going to go to Disney this summer? Are you going to cancel that trip? Are you going to cancel the subscription to Disney? 
Text the word poll to 67742 and I'll send you the survey. That's poll, P-O-L-L, to 67742. And if you do it quickly, I'll give you the results before the end of the program. I think this is great, quite frankly. Honestly, I think it's finally time that we're able to pull back the curtain on Disney, who's been about this for a long time. All right. I mean, this is this is not new. It's gotten I actually think what's happened. They've gotten more emboldened. They have accelerated the indoctrination in the advancement of this leftist ideology because they didn't get resistance. I'm hoping and I'm praying that uh, parents would not only take on Disney, not only take on women's sports. Those are they're, they're okay. They're important cultural things, but they really don't get to the heart of the matter. I'm hoping and praying that parents will take over the education of their children and take back public education while they're at it and stop this godless. And I'm going to say it and I'm saying it intentionally, this godless demonic indoctrination of our children. All right. I know that's going to cause the the heads on the left to spin, but let them spin because that's exactly what it is. If it's not about God and what he has called us to do as Christian parents, there's there's no middle ground in this. All right. Yesterday, a group of uh, speaking of leftist, a group of leftist organizations, including the Southern Poverty or the Southern Impoverished Law Center and the Human Rights Campaign, the largest LGBT advocacy group, announced a legal challenge to the Alabama Vulnerable Child Compassion and Protection Act, SB 184, which was signed into law just last Friday by Governor Kay Ivey. The legislation prohibits doctors from delaying puberty or altering the appearance of gender for minors through radical, irreversible drugs and surgeries. It also ensures that school officials do not withhold from parents information pertaining to their children's perception of their gender if it is inconsistent with their biological sex. Now, according to the SPLC and company, the law's pro the law's prohibitions, quote, lack a rational foundational, uh, rational foundation, rather, and serve no legitimate purpose, end quote. Here to respond to that and to highlight the importance of the law is Becky Gerritsen. She is the executive director of Alabama Eagle Forum, whose grassroots organization has been very active in advocating for this law. Becky, Becky, welcome to Washington Watch. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on. And this was a three-year battle that finally is over. And we are so thankful that the governor signed this bill. I was uh, frankly quite impressed, uh, not only that she signed the law, but what she had to say when she signed it last Friday, clearly stating, I think, what is the uh, the consensus, certainly of the legislature. And I would think most of those in the state of Alabama. But you have the Southern Impoverished Law Center, which is actually headquartered there in Alabama, filing suit. What do you think about this? Well, their headquarters is just a couple of blocks away from the state house, and they are there with their lobbyists every day. They are fighting against these pro-family bills. And it just blows my mind that any organization would advocate for medical child abuse, you know, experimentation, exploitation. The drugs that they give these children to change their sexual appearance are actually the same drugs that they use to chemically castrate 
pedophiles in jail. This is very serious. And I just, I can't imagine why any organization would advocate for that. Well, and the use of these drugs, despite claims by the advocates of these types of uh, procedures, these drugs, these are off-label use of drugs. These drugs were not intended for these purposes. Now, in this lawsuit... Uh, filed by these leftist organizations, including the Southern Poverty Law Center. They claim that these radical, irreversible drugs and surgeries are, quote, safe, effective, and medically necessary for transgender minors. How do they write that with a straight face? The studies show that if you allow a gender dysphoric child to go through natural puberty, up to 98% of them, this is according to a 2019 study, they will come to accept their biological sex by the time they are young adults. And we are seeing a big trend of um, detransitioners happening now in their early to mid-20s that started this process around 17, 18 years old. They are now reversing it. Um, Their frontal lobe wasn't fully developed enough to make that very important decision. And so this law is going to protect those children. Wait until they're older to make this decision. What else uh, are these leftist organizations claiming in their lawsuit that needs to be corrected? Well, you know, I haven't actually read the lawsuit, but one of the other important aspects of this bill, not only does it stop puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and sex reassignment surgeries, but there's also a provision in there because in Alabama, we are seeing a lot of counseling happening in the schools and the parents have no idea that their children are dealing with any kind of gender dysphoria uh, problems. And so they will go to school and change their clothes into the opposite sex clothes, take on a new name, new pronoun. Everyone at school knows this is happening, but the parents have no idea. So in this bill, if a parent asks to, to know, is my child dealing with this? They have to tell the parent yes or no. Um, because there's too much secrecy going on. We are seeing noise machines being put outside of counseling offices so that parents or teachers that walk by, they can't hear what's going on in there. Uh, We are seeing flyers that are put out on little tables outside the counseling office, giving directions on where to go if you are gender dysphoric and you want um, to start seeking treatments. And parents really need to know what's going on in their schools. And so this is a great thing that is in the bill as well. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, I find it hard that we're even having this debate about whether or not parents should know what's happening with their children. I mean, but again, this goes to an underlying mindset that children, you know, belong collectively to a village or to the state and that uh, educational, quote unquote, experts know better than parents. I mean, this is this is absurd. It's insulting to parents. And again, as I said earlier, I am so grateful that parents are saying enough is enough. What are what are you hearing in Alabama in response to the passage of this law? Well, I speak across the state on this issue a lot as we were trying to to get this bill passed over the last three years. And people had no idea that this was even happening in Alabama. Um, Our gender clinic in Birmingham is seeing patients as young as three years old. Now, they're not getting the drugs that young, but they are getting affirmation therapy. So a little child of three years old is actually being affirmed into the misconception that they have that they're being born in the wrong body, which is just grooming for drugs so that when puberty comes along, they're able to block puberty 
And then the studies show 100% of those people that are on those puberty blockers go right on to cross-sex hormones. And then next is surgery. And so parents are so happy that this has passed. I mean, as young as three years old, if we're going to let kids, I think anywhere under the age of 18, to make decisions that in many cases um, are irreversible as it pertains to their sexuality or their body parts, I mean, are we going to start letting them drive at three years old? Are we going to let them buy guns at five? Are we going to let them start drinking at seven? I mean, we, we realize that the, the, the children are not mentally, emotionally uh, mature enough to make some of these decisions. But yet, because we've carved this out as, you know, special, because it's, it's special to the leftist, uh, we, we, we allow that to happen. It's insane. Right. It's dangerous. And I think you said it right before the the break, um, before I came on, that this is a silver lining in in COVID that has happened, that people are being able to see what's being taught in schools. Disney is coming out, being emboldened to show their agenda. And I think parents are waking up and we just have to get back to our biblical values of raising our children. They are ours. They are no one else's. And we have the responsibility to raise our children. Becky, thanks so much for joining us. Great to talk with you today. Thank you for the work you're doing there in the state of Alabama. Thank you so much. Keep up the great work. Thank you. And folks, the poll results, 98% of you say it will cause you to direct your entertainment spending elsewhere. 1% says will not affect my business with Disney. And 1% said not sure. You can still take the poll. Go ahead and text me and I'll send it to you. But... Bottom line, they're your children. Protect your children. Get involved. Do something, whatever the Lord leads you to do. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, just keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.